The Inside Track on Real Estate with Ken and Yetta Decker of the Decker Team. Get the Inside Track. Everything you need to know about buying and selling in the greater Ottawa area. The Inside Track on Real Estate with the Decker Team. Moving forward with the Decker Team. Moving forward together with the Decker Team. Is it true that sellers can't be choosers? We're welcoming you back to another episode of the Inside Track. I'm Yetta Decker. And I'm Ken Decker. And we're so excited to be with you because we get to share top techniques, thoughts, that's that's the word put together, <laughs> techniques, thoughts, and tools that we all deserve, we all need, you, I, everyone, to turn our house and home where our families thrive and we live the best life possible. And the best life possible means sellers get to choose whether or not they sell. Right. Well, they also get to choose how they sell, exactly who they sell with, and really whether they buy their own property back. Right. Isn't that an interesting concept, buying your own property back? What? Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. Okay. Got to save that for a little bit. Save that for a little bit. All yeah. right. So how... People get to sell. It's all about choice today, Mm -hmm. right? Not only have we changed the way of doing real estate, that happened a little while ago, as you well know, the whole industry and how we go about it has changed the method, except how in terms of the services available, that really has not changed for quite some time. No, that's Um, true. Right? And so Mm -hmm. what are the hows in terms of full service, yeah, I mean, how you could sell it yourself. Right. Right? Um, and there, there are some advantages and disadvantages to that. Uh, you could have a limited service company, you know, one where they throw some ads up for you, but they really don't serve you. And don't represent they don't you represent wholly you. and they don't mm-hmm. counsel or coach yep. or guide or provide options. Right. They're more provide packages. Yes, and usually they're a pay up front mm-hmm. kind of thing because whether they do the job satisfactory or not, they get paid in advance. Right. And then there are companies that have a limited amount of service. And then there are companies like ours, which is a full service fiduciary company. Okay. Now fiduciary, that's a big word. It is. I did learn it over 30 years ago in the real estate industry. Before that, I don't know that I fully understood the meaning of fiduciary. So shall we go spend a minute on that? Sure. Fiduciary basically means you owe a, a level of competency. You owe a level of confidentiality. You owe a level of representation that you, with the knowledge you have as a professional, would care for your client like they would care for themselves if they had that same level of knowledge knowledge. or experience. How was that? That was pretty good. So in layman terms, it means we have to, as professionals in the industry, if we're providing fiduciary duty or responsibility, we have to do what is in your sole and absolute best interest. Yes. I find it interesting. Sometimes a client will say to me, you know, if you sell the house for more, the great news is we get more money. And the great news is you get more money because you've sold the house for more. And it's an interesting thought 
yes, that's true. Like in theory, that's true. And, and it, the opposite. Let me. You know, I just had a thought. Sorry to interrupt you. Can I just finish my thought? No. Okay. My, no, I can't. His is better than mine. So today. if if that's the case, that they think that we want to sell it for more because we'd make more money. What's that say about the case where someone's selling it for a flat fee who they're not giving any service, they're just putting it out there to market it, their collector fee in advance, they don't really care how much they sell it for because they're not affected. Right. And having said that, I long ago let go of doing that calculation because my first and primary and really only responsibility is taking care of the client that's hired me in a full service capacity to serve them. Absolutely. And then when I do that, the amazing news is I automatically get a paycheck mm-hmm. when I produce the result that my client's looking for. Yeah, we're revol- result paced, paid. Results paid. And so there's some huge advantage, and yet you as a seller get to choose. Do I want somebody that is giving their all for my all because real estate's your largest investment? Or do I want someone that's just providing a certain level of care, but really not in it necessarily for my best interest? It doesn't mean they don't care about you. That is not what I'm saying. Legally, you're not hiring them to do that. Right. Right. Or somebody that's simply providing some signs and a package and a few ads. Or do you want to do it on your own? Those are really your four viable options. Yeah. And and you know what's interesting is in this market we're in right now, which is a very good seller's market. In a in a good buyer's market where sellers are having a hard time selling, selling it yourself is difficult. Right. You can't really, it's, it's difficult to accomplish because you, you, you do have, it, but it's difficult. And you have access to such a small segment of the part right. of the market. Financing is more difficult. Everything is just harder. Right. So in a really hot market, like we're in right now, someone may put their house up privately yeah. and sell it. And think, <clears throat> wow, I did it without a professional. Right. Or and maybe with- even worse. They paid a professional to represent the buyer and they got beat up by a realtor, not physically beat up, yeah. but in the negotiations because there was a realtor, a professional on the other side. and That if negotiates for a living. Yeah. If you're selling a house, typically you might sell two or three houses a, a lifetime. Or seven or eight or even 10. Like that would be a lot. But you're definitely not going to become an expert. Right. And we've helped over 2,380 families navigate the selling process. So hopefully we know something about that. So my fear is that people will say they sold and look at how much I saved, right? Yeah. But did they really? Did they really save? Because, or did they leave a bunch of table money on the table that they didn't get? And did they net less? Because really, is it about what you pay or is it about what you net at the end of the day when all the expenses are paid and you get your check from the lawyer? Is it about that amount of money? That's the question. Right. So the question becomes a conversation of investment. Upfront investment or is it an upfront liability? Mm -hmm. Right? Because it can be an upfront liability because you're not getting the best end result. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. Because often, I mean, have you not found when you're buying something, short of if you're buying a brand name, of all you're doing is buying for brand name, often the quality is not necessarily better. Sometimes yes, mm. and sometimes no. 
except if you're buying a solid product or a solid service. Have you not found, Ken, and have you not found that most of the time you get what you pay for? Absolutely. And if you hire somebody that only gets paid if they produce a result you like, wow, are you not in the driver's seat? Like you are so in the driver's seat the whole time. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is if you don't like the result I produce, you don't have to accept an offer. Right. Like that's the amazing thing. So that's the how. Yeah. Now the who. The who. The seller gets to pick the who. Who. Who is going (laughs) to help you to navigate this time in your life that is a big deal. Your house is your usually your biggest single asset. So you get to choose how and who. And we're grateful that we get to educate you around the options and then really give you the power of choice. You get to choose powerfully. Powerfully this or powerfully that. And if you're thinking, well, you've all you've done is created more questions for me. Well, pick up the phone or send us a quick email and we would be thrilled to answer your custom personal questions. Does the seller really get to choose who to sell their house to is a question I'm often asked with a skeptical edge. (laughs) We've created for you free access to over 403 Inside Track episodes on making house home, insider tips, and even things related to just how to live and thrive in your own space. And you have access to them anytime, anywhere, except right now it's a little more limited. So we're excited that we get to educate you on the go or when you're living at home, Mm. staying at home. Yeah. So I think the seller always has the choice of who they want to sell to. Yeah. And in this episode, we're actually going to learn that sometimes... That choice, you may choose yourself to buy the house. What? (laughs) Yeah. When you're in the process of negotiating, every time you do a counteroffer in that moment, you've actually just bought your house back. For the price you're asking the buyer to pay. Right. And if the buyer says, yes, well, okay, now you've chosen, they've chosen that they will buy it and you've chosen to agree. And yet if they say no, you've just now made a choice to buy it again. Yeah. You've said that that's the value of your house to you. To you. And you're willing to buy it in an auction. Think of it as an auction. Yeah. The, the buyer has said they're willing to pay a certain price and you're saying, no, we want this price, that's really saying you're outbidding the buyer for your house. Now, sometimes the buyer will come back and match your bid, and sometimes they won't. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways to choose is to decide how committed you are to actually selling your house, knowing mm-hmm. what your reason, your rationale, the, the what's below the surface for you will actually help you determine whether you will allow yourself to buy it again or not, Mm -hmm. right? And in this market, and every market over the last 31 years has been a different market. They tend to go in seven, 10-year cycles, and yet we've had little blips that only lasted 90 days, other blips that lasted, maybe they're not blips if they last a year, but certainly there's been a shift in a lot of different markets. And so the strategies that you're going to use in a seller, in de- as a seller, in determining who's going to buy your house, you or someone else, are constantly shifting. And that's why it can be nice to have somebody on your side who's experienced all the different markets. Right. 
And when we say who is going to buy your house, really it comes around pricing and conditions and the offer and that kind of thing. It doesn't come to, oh, I want this particular person because they're better for my neighbor, typically. And yet I've seen it. Because one of the strategies that we'll often use when we're working with a buyer is write a personal letter. Introduce yourself because you can tell that this particular house and these particular people that live in this house look like there's some alignment and that there may be some interest in why you're buying and who you are that's buying the home. Maybe they've been there for a long time and they... They brought their children up there and you have children and you want to bring your children Mm -hmm. up there. That kind of commonality will sometimes bring some favor. Especially if you have a couple of offers that are similar. If you have a couple of offers that are similar, then the who actually comes down to who are the people. And so as much as we have this level of confidentiality that we get to create and must create in the real estate industry, if the buyer would like to share that information with you, then that's an option. Mm-hmm. Part of the who process that we actually attempt to eliminate a little, when we're representing you as a seller, we actually attempt to eliminate a little bit of that exposure mm-hmm. by allowing us as your realtor to present the offers and encouraging you not to have others present directly to you because there may be something that's said that you really like that causes you to maybe not make the best decision because you've just been swayed by something that 10 minutes later really would not be of interest to you or really impact you. Right. Right. Now I've also had sellers choose between an investor or, you know, a contractor who's thinking of, tearing down their property and building something versus a family versus a family moving into it. I've seen that happen. Lots. Right? So the who we will attempt to get it if it matters to you, we get as much information as we can from the other parties. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether we're dealing with one offer or we're dealing with a bunch of offers. And then right. the whole idea of getting more than asking. The who can also be in relation to the certainty of this buyer versus exposing it more fully on the market, but not having a certainty of any buyer. Hmm, Sort of the the bird in a hand is better than two in the bush. Right. So in this market where we've had so much competition, where it's possible a buyer has put offers in on 10 properties, 15 properties, five properties, and lost out again and again and again, they may be willing to pay you more than asking and be willing to pay you a premium even to know that they're the only ones you're talking to. Right. And you can get that through properties that are pre not on the market yet or properties that for whatever reason for privacy reasons or or that type of thing they're listed exclusively right and exclusively doesn't mean we won't cooperate with other realtors what it means it's not on the multiple listing service 
So we have a secret list where we've got properties that we know are coming on the market, but they're not quite ready and we haven't finalized all the documents maybe, or the Mm -hmm. seller's just not ready to let anyone in. And so therefore doesn't want the address disclosed because maybe they're doing some decluttering or some redecorating or something, and they just don't even want the risk of somebody coming in and then being tempted. That would be secret list. And then we have the exclusive list, which is properties that we've already got signed. We already know what day they're going to launch short of any unforeseen challenges or shifts. And yet we're really not wanting to expose it fully to the market because we're not ready to let the majority of people come and take a peek or even have had pictures done yet. And I've had the case where there's still something to repair, Mm -hmm. some work being done, some flooring put in, whatever, painting done. And we may get a buyer that says, I don't care about that. I'm a contractor. I'll paint it. You know, whatever. Can I get in? Uh, And sometimes we save the seller the, the time and effort of doing that repair. And the money. And the money. Because a contractor is willing to pay a premium price not to compete with other people once it's all done. Right. And yet you're still getting the money you would have got in all probability and you don't have to wonder. Mm-hmm. Right. So multiple offers when we're get dealing with those, which is obviously where it's kind of fun to choose most of the time, <laughs> you are going to be looking at what's the price that is going to be a driver. Yeah. Right. What are they offering me? That'll help determine the who. What are the conditions? And depending on where you're located right now and in what price point, there may be no conditions in terms of conditional on financing or building inspection. Lots of pre-inspection or inspections are happening. And then there's the terms. What do you have to do before closing? Potentially could be a term. And then there's the inclusions and the exclusions. And then there's the closing date. And then there's the deposit. So we will highlight all of those things when we're looking at multiples just to determine, help you determine who you'd like to choose to be the owner of your house. That's true. Mm -hmm. Ask one more time or maybe twice when you're dealing with multiples to see if people want to increase or the price or reduce their terms or conditions is an amazing um, thing that we've been doing a lot. We're going to do a deep dive on what to consider when you have multiple offers on your property. We're excited that for over 30 years, we have been able to come alongside you and really help you navigate the whole selling and buying and investing process. And more than that, been able to help you navigate life itself. Kind of exciting. We've been doing it for over 40 years. Together. Together. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. And we have seen that together we've got this. And so we're excited that together with you, we get to move forward making some great decisions in real estate. And so there's so much more to consider. Than price alone. Than price alone. Because price alone is not what an offer is made of. Although it's an important factor. It's a big factor. And it's a factor that a lot of people go straight to is what's the price. Right. Except if we have a price, but now we have some big conditions, and that's some Mm -hmm. of what you'll learn in this episode, what are those things we want to consider in detail in addition to price? Yeah, like just just the other day, I was working with a client, 
and we had uh, able to develop over a couple of days, we were able to develop three offers on the property. In the better part of the million price range, which is mm-hmm. kind of a nice price point to have more than one to consider. Yes. And what it came down to was um, not so much price because the one that had the, the best price originally had the poorest conditions. They were too long. They were too vague. They they um, they just didn't feel like the people were really serious almost. Well, there right? wasn't as much stability, in right? The, in there, the terms or and certainty the in the, the terms offer. and conditions. There was a lot more um, wiggle room, yeah. as we might call. And we asked to have those tightened up, and that buyer refused. So then it became, okay, well, let's go on to our other offers, and let's look at what conditions they have, what's the deposit amount. And in this particular case, the property was a little bit unique. Right. I just want to stop on deposit for a minute because we said we'd do a deep dive on that. Yeah. So the deposit, although it sits in a trust account, and you as the seller cannot get your hands on it until there's either the closing of the property or by mutual consent or by court order. And when I say mutual consent, the parties to the contract, aka sellers and buyers agree that the money can go where the money has got to go, or the court has deemed it so. So about 99.8% of the time in our over 2,380 families that we've helped, it's been determined by the actual contract. Yeah, it just closes and the money is distributed. Distributed according to the way the contract is Mm -hmm. written. And so it sits in a trust account. So then I've had many people ask me, why does it matter if it's more money? I don't get it anyway. Mm, You're right, you don't. And it's actually difficult to get access to it without agreement other than the courts, which is difficult. That's after it's not conditional. During the conditional period, they can get their deposit back. Not a problem. No worries. The reason it actually still matters, though, is if I have, or imagine you have $40,000 as a deposit or $30,000 or even $20,000 as a deposit sitting attached to a particular agreement of purchase and sale. Conditions have been removed. You've done your due diligence or not in this case, unfortunately, in this market. You've made a solid decision. You've done as much due diligence as you've chosen. And now you have an offer on the property. And let's say you have a hiccup in your finances as Mm -hmm. a buyer. Mm -hmm. And it's going to cost me a little extra over the first few years because I have to do maybe a second mortgage and a first to to actually close on it. I can't get just a standard first mortgage like I had planned on. Right. Or maybe you have to have a higher interest rate or mm-hmm. could be lots of different things that make it not as desirable as you thought it was going to be right. because the financing continues to be assessed until closing. Right. And now the option is, do I go ahead under those uh, less than desirable conditions or do I try to back out, break my contract, maybe take the chance of being sued for damages and also know that my deposits tied up until that's settled one way or the other. And sometimes a seller will let a buyer out after the fact if they release, right, release the deposit to them. Right. To the seller. To the seller. 
Now, if you as a buyer have two or three thousand on deposit or forty thousand on deposit, which one are you going to work harder to get the the financing through so you don't lose your deposit? Or work on any other issue that might have come up. It may not be financing. It could be anything else that shifted in your life. And so the seller is going to feel much more confident in your ability to follow through because they've got more money sitting in a deposit. Right. So deposit can affect if you've the, got, the, yeah. the choosing of an offer and a multiple offer. Mm. Um, whether they're asking thing, for things that weren't necessarily included in the first place. Right. You know, um, if we didn't include the appliances, one offer is asking for them and another one's not. The one that's not asking for them looks more favorable. Right. Even if the price on the one where they're not asking is lower. It may mm-hmm. be that they're really high-end acl- appliances and the cost of replacing those far exceeds the difference in price. Right. And now, this is the subjective part. Yeah. Which is really tricky because just the other day, my client said, well, which one do you think is most likely to close, uh, to firm up their conditions? Because in this right. case, we had conditions yep. of rural property. Rural property often uh, well still and septic does, and even in building inspection. And so they said, which one is more likely to, to accept some of the quirks, the, the differences in our property that, that makes it what it is? And so that takes the talking with the agent and see whether they, you know, they recognize any of the deficiencies, make sure they're aware of those, that the buyer was aware before right. they put their offer because in. Because every home has a deficiency. Yeah. I so haven't met a home that doesn't have something that isn't right. quite right. Yeah, because we don't want them to come back and ask for a bunch of money off. Or walk, or away, walk away. Or have the seller request the seller do a whole bunch of work because work equals money and time. Because mm-hmm. it's very difficult to recreate that multiple offer situation. And that's why ones that don't have finance clause or don't have a home inspection or don't have both are typically accepted even if they're less money than the one with conditions. Right. Typically. Because of the certainty. Unless it's a big chunk of money. Right. Unless it's a lot of money then, or a very short time frame, or we've been able to negotiate keeping the one offer kind of sitting there in the background waiting to find out what happens with the first offer. I mean, there are lots of nuances here that we could not possibly address on a show. why you want us on your team. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because then we can address them one-on-one, one at a time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And many times we've gotten clients actually more than they ever thought they would get for a property. And that's made their transition easier than they thought it was going to be. Right. For the purchase of the other property or how much money they came out of to go into a senior's home or how much money was was there to buy their condo from their from their dream home or or from their amazing townhouse. We just had one the other day where they were certain the spread was going to be a lot. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, even though they paid more for the one they were wanting to buy, they actually sold their home for exponentially more Mm -hmm. than they ever thought possible. So the spread was negligible. And in some cases, it works so well. What I like to say is Mm. we're like Disney. (laughs) We like to under-promise and (laughs) over-deliver. And we're grateful to be your partners 
in moving forward together, because together we've got this. Moving forward with the Decker team. Moving forward together with the Decker team.